0: .NET Rocks episode 892 with guest Mark Manassi, recorded live Thursday, July 11th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Teller, offering the best in developer tools and support and by franklins.net
1: makers of gesture pack a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for microsoft connect for windows developers details at gesturepak.com
0: and by diatom developers of the net rocks mobile app available now for windows phone iphone and android phones
2: and now here are carl and richard Thank you very much. Welcome back to Donner Rocks, Carl and Richard, uh, coming to you from New London, Connecticut, where the fireworks for the Fourth of July are on July thirteenth. They don't do it on the tw- on the fourth at all. No, it's always the second week ah. the weekend. They have a, a big festival here called Sail Fest, and sometimes it. Uh, is coordinated with Opsail when the tall ships come in and, you know, the millions of people down on the waterfront park and bands. Well, you have the Coast Guard uh, College there, right? Yeah, the Coast Guard Academy is right here. Uh, the Eagle is their tall ship and it's docked here most of the time. It's very, very cool. Beautiful four-masted clipper. Yeah, exactly. I went to the eye doctor the other day. I. And I am ready for progressives, apparently. Ah, my doctor says don't get those because they atrophy your eyes. Yeah, well, so does age. Yeah, I guess you're...
1: (laughs) You can't get out alive, I hear. Nope. It's a one-way trip. All right, better know framework. Hit me.
2: All right, buddy, what do you got? Because we're talking about Windows 8 uh, with Mr. Manassi coming up here, I thought I would go find uh, a a Windows 8 app that I would like. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because Lord knows I don't like a lot of them. Right, I don't like a lot of apps in general. Right, I'm just not. So, so I found a really cool one though. This is the Khan Academy. K H A N. This is I'm just reading from them uh, in lots of great reviews. Our Windows 8 app is the best way to to view Khan Academy's complete library of over 3,800 videos. So it's basically a learning thing with uh, educational videos, and here's what they say. We cover a massive number of topics, including K-12, to math, science topics such as biology, chemistry, and physics, even the humanities with tutorials on finance and history. So essentially, you know, this is homeschooling in an app. Spend an afternoon brushing up on statistics. Discover how the Krebs cycle works. Learn about the fundamentals of computer science. Prepare for that upcoming SAT. Or, if you're feeling particularly adventurous, learn how fire stick farming changed the landscape of Australia. Richard, I'm sure you know all about that. (laughs) Doesn't matter if you're a student, teacher, homeschooler, principal, adult returning to the classroom after 20 years, or a friendly alien just trying to get a leg up in earthly biology, Khan Academy's materials and resources are available to you completely free of charge. So there you go. Just go to the Windows Store and search for Khan. It's K-H-A-N, Khan Academy. And they also have a website khanacademy.org. Cool. There you go. Awesome. Know and learn and love. Richard, who's talking to us?
1: Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 874, and that's the one we did with Michelle Bustamante. We talked about startups. And, uh, the pseudonym here is left recursion, which is interesting. Uh, and he says, Hey, first time commenting. Carl and Richard, you guys definitely rock. Love Michelle. I've been following her since I attended one of her dub CF sessions at SD West in 2008. The show was great. I really enjoyed listening to how passionate Michelle is about startups. The bits that really stuck for me were about the other things an entrepreneur needs to know in order to be successful. Hmm. I've had this conversation a bunch of times with my partner. We both agree that neither of us are very good at things that aren't software. And that was a big discussion we had with Michelle was this whole idea of it turns out good finances are hard, good marketing is hard, good sales is hard, and good software is hard. So, you know, if you don't have those skills, you need to get people that do have those skills, at least value them all equally. Right. So, uh, Left Recursion, thank you very much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, you can write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We have them for Windows 8, iPhone, Android, and Windows Phone. And you can uh, get those from the respective app stores. Just search for .NET Rocks or Pwop Studios. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. Who'd love to build you a mobile app, go to DiatomEnterprises.com.
2: And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online with hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They're releasing about 30 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial for 200 minutes. Wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much everything Microsoft, including Windows 8 and uh, modern apps. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to Mr. Mark Manassi. This is the first time you've ever been on .NET Rocks. But before we talk about that, let me introduce you. When Mark attended his first lecture about computers in 1973, he learned two things. First, computers are neat. Second, many technical people are very nice folks, but they can put you to sleep in an instant while explaining technical things. Mark transformed those two insights into a career, making computers easier and more fun to understand. He's done that by writing over a thousand popular computer columns, several dozen best selling technical books, and explaining operating systems and networking to crowds from two to 2,000. Awarded favorite technical author by Cert Cities four times out of four, Mark is probably best known for his Mastering Windows Server and Complete PC Upgrade and Maintenance books, both of which have seen more than 12 editions and sold over a million copies. And it goes on and on and on. Mr. Mark Benassi, he's been a regular on, he's been a regular on Speaker Idol as well as Run As Radio, and now he finally made it to our Silly Little Show Net Rocks. Thanks for being here, Mark.
0: And thanks for having me, guys.
2: Well, it's we always have fun when we talk, so we figure we might as well record it and uh, see what happens.
0: It does mean there's evidence, though.
2: <laughs> That's right. Well, I got to tell you something. I. I You know, you record Run As Radio here, and uh, Brandon records it uh, at the studio. And one day, I I sort of walked in when Brandon had you guys, uh, uh, you know, he was recording you guys, and you were doing a show. And we keep the volume down a little bit low, you know, low. So we know you're talking, but we're not necessarily listening. And uh, I just happened to overhear you talking about Windows. This is when Windows 8 first came out, and man, you sounded like a bitter old man (laughs) you're like (laughs) where's my start menu get off my lawn you know and i just it was a bitch fest but um but it was funny of course and you had some really good points but uh so that that was my experience of of you talking about windows 8 but i guess uh there's a lot more to windows 8 than just you know the start menu and and all that stuff so that's what we're going to talk about today i suppose
0: Well, let me give you some context here. So the context is that operating systems are fun for me. It's like I, when I get a new operating system, it's new toys. I get to pick it apart. I get to learn a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the things I enjoy doing is shining the light into the the dark corners. And one of the talks that I'll do on a pretty regular basis is, okay, you've decided to adopt Windows X or Windows Server Y or something like that. And I'm not here to tell you to buy it. I'm saying if you've decided to buy it, Here's 20 things you didn't know that you already paid for that are freaking awesome. Right. And like, for example, Vista, I you, you heard someone liked Vista. I, I'm, I'm the guy. I thought Vista was great. Don't laugh. Don't laugh, Franklin, because the thing is, if you were to say, I use Windows 7 because it has the following 20 great features, I guarantee you 16 of them appeared in Vista. Sure. Vista just got you know, just a bad slower. rap. You no, know, now wait a minute. That's 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 that's, that's perjury. <laughs> that is sorry. utter perjury. You're
2: but, right. Yeah, well, you're oh, right. Of course, Vista Vista ran absolutely fine on my hardware once I got the right drivers.
0: You're missing the big point. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say that that was meretricious nonsense, but we're we're on that path there. But <laughs> what what everyone had forgotten was that Windows would come out every couple of years, and it was always the same thing. New version of windows come out and people say, oh, my God, this runs like crap. That's because Microsoft knows you're not going to adopt it for two years. So right. they're shooting for the hardware that's going to exist in, in two years. It's, right. That's A. And then B is we, we don't have drivers. Well, the operating system just came out. We always had the problem. The problem was because we had like five, six years between XP and Vista, people had forgotten to expect that. Yeah. And because, so like we were back, to, we had this whole crop of people who had never done the Windows upgrade, and they're thinking, what's wrong with this? Why yeah, is re- this? So-
2: I remember when XP came out, it was the same thing. In fact, um, there, was, there was all sorts of compatibility problems. In fact, there may have been more uproar over XP than there was over Vista.
0: And the reason was people were moving largely from Windows 98, yeah. you know, DOS and, DOS and Drag to XP, mm-hmm. which was real operating system. And yep. Yeah, there's a whole lot of things, things, things changed in the interim. It's absolutely true, absolutely true. <laughs> anyway, so, so, I was uh, pandering to Microsoft because I want to talk at TechEd because they've got a big, big crowd there, and so I said, "What Windows 8 talk can I pitch these guys that I can do with a straight face and will be useful?" So I, basically, it was like I called it pieces of eight. You know, Microsoft was prospecting for Windows 8 gold with Microsoft with Mark Benassi, <laughs> and so they said. You know, this doesn't look like a bad talk. You really think you can do this? I'm like, yeah, of course I can do this. You know, big operating system, lots of good things to talk about. I said, we don't want you to beat up on it. I said, I do talks about to tell people stuff they don't know. Everybody knows Windows 8 sucks, so I don't have to tell them that. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the, the <whole>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so <laughs> it was fun. That's, I that's like having banding. a challenge. Yeah. Good, good <laughs> well, well, okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I have this problem that see, I stop doing talks when nothing comes out of my mouth that surprises me. So that's that was that was that's when you know it's time to stop doing a talk. You know? <laughs> but you know, playing around with it. I mean, first of all, I would have told you uh I would have told you on October first of last year that Windows eight on a non touch device was a dumbass idea. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, it's so touch. Everything, you got to be able to touch to get the goodness out of it. But then October 26th came out. You know, that was Windows 8 day. And Steven (laughs) Sanofsky's up there doing his, like, bad Steve Jobs imitation. And, you know, bouncing around with his turtleneck. No, his turtleneck. His little sweater and stuff. And, you know, they had this deal that day where I I think you went to a website and you – give them 26 bucks and they download some stuff and they would do an in-place upgrade, do an in-place upgrade of your Windows 7 box. And I had this big Lenovo 510 Battleship workstation thing, laptop. And I said to myself, I was caught up in the fever because I'd just gotten my surface. I spent my money to get a surface RT, mm. you know, by ten thirty in the morning. It actually arrived at ten forty five, but I, I gave it to him. And I'm sitting there blogging mm. about it. I said, I'm gonna do this. And I download this thing and, and there's these radio buttons that come up. It says, Do you wanna just wipe everything or shall we mm. wipe everything except your data? Or leave your applications and data in place. Right. Now the radio button that was on by default was the wipe everything. So had I not paid closer attention, this would not have been as happy a story. And <laughs> so I, I clicked, you know, leave my stuff in place. And I thought, should I back it up? I said, you know what? My my people are not going to back up. So I thought, I'm just going to go for this, you know. And right. I know what you're saying. Do they clank when he walks? And so uh, <laughs> I did, you know, did this thing and I got Windows 8 running on this big battleship. And once I figured out a few Windows key combinations, you know, there's that key on the keyboard you never use, the one with the Windows flag <laughs> yeah, on it, right? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's your, it's your new best friend. And once I figured this stuff out, here, I don't mean to damn this with faint praise, but uh, I'm busy blogging about the RT stuff because I'm playing with this also, which is pretty exciting. And we'll get to that in a moment. And after two hours, I realized that I'd forgotten I was on Windows 8. I pretty yeah. much thought it was just like running Windows 7. And... So it's, you know, to summarize Windows 8, I'm going to steal from Douglas Adams, mostly harmless. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you because it's all about the keystrokes. In fact, we, uh, the whole road trip that we did was all about exposing the keystrokes, you know, the keyboard shortcuts to a sure. crowd that didn't even knew they existed. And, uh, and, and it was a revelation for many people that, you know, Hey, remember the keyboard? It actually works, and, uh, and it works to, to get around all this stuff.
0: No, it's 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 true. The other thing too is that I love my iPad, but it's you know what do you do with an iPad? You play games and you read the web. Yeah, it's hard to type with it, which almost makes me want to say something along the lines that iPad users clearly have nothing to say. You know, right. that I mean that they're you know and. And what Microsoft did with the Windows 8 tablets, like for example, my Surface. Let's talk about my Surface. So the Surface I weighed is one gram heavier than an iPad 2. Mm-hmm. It's got a cool little keyboard. I mean, you've probably played around with the touch. Not something. Not the touch. The type. The type cover. Right. Is great. I mean, I, I wrote like a fifty-five hundred yeah. word review on the thing. So it's it's terrific. So I got good typing. I've got a nice uh, tablet. The form factor is a little weird. That whole HD thing makes it feel. It feels a little bit like an iPad is an eight and a half by eleven page, yeah, and, and a, a Surface is sort of like a legal pad, you know. But um, what's great about it is that we are getting apps. And the other thing too is I don't know about you. Do you have any i stuff?
2: Oh yeah, I had iPad, iPhone, had you know. I don't use them anymore, but uh, yes, I'm well well versed.
0: So, you know, my experience was that that initially I bought like 5,000 iPhone apps. Now I use none of them. And for iPad apps, I use about like five of them. So I don't need that many apps. I just need the right ones, you know. Right. But the problem is, you know, when you're hacking around with these things, if the Internet disappears because the 3G is not available, the 4G is not available, the Wi-Fi is not available, you have no troubleshooting tools. I'm a moron. I'm right. a moron user at this point. Yep. And the cool thing about the, the RT thing was that – I got it fired up and I, I didn't expect there to be a desktop. I thought it would only have the start screen. And, but it did. It's got desktop. I said, well, this is, that's, that's interesting. I wonder if they have a com- command prompt. Pfft, command prompt comes like, wow. Yeah. I have a command prompt. Now I have access to all my cool tools. And then just for chuckles, I said, let's just type in PowerShell. Type in PowerShell. Pfft, it yep. gets a pow- prompt. And I say, how many PowerShell commandlets are there? And it says 889. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. Oh, I just love the thing, man. I would have married it, you know, except I, um, I live in Virginia and, and it's, it's under the age of 12, so it's not legal. But, you know, I mean, it's still wonky. It still needs some work. I think they're, they're making some advances with Mm 8.1. But I mean, there's, uh, it's still got issues, you know? Right. But I think there's a couple of reasons people can think about this. Two reasons you think about this is, first of all, if you want a domain join tablet, then there's an option. You can't do it with the RT, of course, but you can do it with these other guys. And the fact that they, that uh, Samsung makes a really interesting x86-based Windows 8 tablet is pretty cool. I mean, you know, domain joint stuff. And the other one, too, is all the security stuff. I don't know if you guys have talked about this or if Richard's covered this in, in Rana's radio, but uh, this built-in security stuff that's absolutely amazing. I mean, Microsoft has essentially done the equivalent of eradicating smallpox, when it comes to this entire classes of malware, that just plain can't happen.
2: Yeah, it, well, there is no other option really for the iPad-like experience in in you know in the enterprise, it's, uh, the the bring-your-own-device thing has proven to be very troublesome.
0: Well, the thing is, though, resistance is futile. It's here. I mean, that that ship has so sailed. I mean, I would have told you, I did say seven, eight years ago, I was on this panel we'd run now and then, and they talk about bringing your stuff in and I'd say, you know, I don't want that stuff in my network, you know, if I can't, if I can't control it, but I mean, pretty much leave your toys at home. Yeah. That's that, that chip sells.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We really don't have a choice at all, but you know, actually we did do a show on run as with, uh, this guy, you may have heard of him. His name is Racinovich Uh and, uh, and for those who don't know, uh, Mr. Manassi and Mr. Racinovich are somewhat of rivals when it comes to certain conferences. I've, I bear witness absolutely. to this occasionally.
0: <laughs> it's absolutely not not, not true. I'm, I'm always happy to see when my protégés are doing well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to hang on to that quote for later. <laughs> uh, but the other Mark talked about the whole, really, he got into the whole whitelist mentality. That what this... What this App Store model has really brought to the table is this idea that blacklisting doesn't make sense. Let whatever the hell on the machine and try and keep it from causing trouble is dumb. Right. Only let stuff on the machine that's already been vetted is smart.
0: You know, um, uh, Mark's a smart man. But um, since he's here, I can't say, Mark, you ignorant slut. But... Um, You know, whitelisting, definitely. Whenever a group policy comes out and there's the whitelist and the blacklist thing, whitelist is the only thing that makes any sense at all. Right. Because blacklist means you got to find all the bad stuff and the bad stuff pops all the time. The problem with whitelisting is you just – unless you can put it in test mode. Uh, you're going to have an unpleasant conversation with somebody who works in a corner office, wears a tie, and has something to do with your next raise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I mean, so um, Which is why, by the way, there's some actually pretty cool stuff. I think we talked about dynamic access control at one of, one, one of the run And for those who don't know what we're talking about, file system, file server permissions have just completely exploded. It's just so much better. It's so much more fine-grained. If, if you're the person trying to protect a whole bunch of data from users getting to it. You have this just wonderful, wonderful new tool. And the nice thing about it is you can do that. You can set up this incredibly complex set of rules and just put them in kind of like test mode where you let them run for a month and the event log will say, you know, if you'd done this, Bob wouldn't have gotten on that file and Jane wouldn't have gotten to that location, et cetera. Right. But you, you kind of have to have that. And unfortunately, a lot of the group policies that incorporate whitelisting just don't give you that ability, which is kind of a pain in the neck.
2: Yeah. So, what is your favorite favorite thing about Windows Eight? My favorite thing about Windows Eight, I don't know,
0: but uh, there's some pretty cool some pretty cool PowerShell stuff. I'm huge, huge, huge uh, yeah, fanatic. I can
2: tell I, that that was a major feature for you.
0: You know what? If I could change something about this business, Carla, and and this November twelfth is going to be, I shouldn't do this because you you're not allowed to be old in this business. <laughs> but it's the 40th anniversary of my first sitting down at a, on a computer. Wow, and yes, I was. I no, I I've been reading about them, but like this is back in this early '70s, and school didn't have computers unless you went to a, a real rich place. And so what happened was, I was at high school, and this local university was doing this Saturday series. We could actually go every Saturday and get three credits. You could use eventually, and that sort of thing. And uh, the the talk was about computers, and this guy put us in this auditorium, seventy-five of us, and we had a, a one of these twenty million current loop teletype things mm-hmm. and a PD eight behind the curtain and he told us about basic and he, wrote a little program in front of us, and he laid out a problem. He says, anyone want to try this? And my eyes must have been as big as saucers. He says, come on down, do this. So uh, never having learned basic before, I had this, you know, non-insignificant problem, figured it out, typed it in, ran the first time in front of 70-something people, which gave me an unreasonable expectation of my coding skills for the later years. But um, it was just absolutely cool. And so my first interest, of course, was the was the programming stuff. But then making the computer run better, I mean, in I want to say when I got started in the early 70s hmm. there were developers yes and there were sysops that's what they would have I guess they would have said programmers in those days and they would have said sysops or something like that sure. and nobody was just one or the other everybody was a little bit of both right. you know and it was not unusual that if you were working in some outfit that if your batch job failed then the operator would look at it find the error in the fortran and rerun it for you you know it was just and but then something happened and we got this great divide And then we got another great divide in the late 80s, early 90s when Microsoft decides we have to beat Apple. And so let's just go GUI, which is great. I mean, the Windows GUI is a terrific GUI. The problem is they went so overboard that the command line tools withered on the vine. Hmm. And so now we have really, really smart people that are maybe, I don't know, late 30s. And they've been doing computers for 20 years, but they don't know anything about the command line. Hmm. It's a horrible shame because they can make their life so much easier. I mean, thinking about the 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 devs that may be listening, and if you are, thank you for sticking around this long. But I mean, you know, so you guys, you guys do .NET programming now. What does that mean? Well, is this what is it? Sixty thousand really wonderful classes that do a wide variety of nifty stuff. .NET is a a layer of software stuck on top of Win32. Where basically Microsoft said, you know, there's a whole bunch of programs that. People are having to write on 132. There are 250 lines of code. Take them three days to write it. Let's do it for them. Let's right. make life easier. Let's make let's let's let programmers be lazy because hardware keeps getting cheaper and people get more expensive, you know? And so what you guys are doing is you're gluing together objects with some C sharp or some VB.net or something like that. And but then there's the other stuff. I mean, how do I go from there to deploying it? Or how do I, you know, this there's, there's just so many processes that we got to do. And you have some automation tools. But if there's an easier way, and I'm not, I'm not a .NET expert, but I mean, if there's an easier way, one of the things I like about PowerShell in terms of command line stuff is a couple things. First of all, we all have to learn some command line tools. I don't care who you are. I'm guessing you know ping. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chances are real good that you, if you've ever had trouble with connectivity, that you know NS lookup or you might know IP config. So let's just take those guys. You know, when you learn ping, what do you learn? You say ping, and then maybe you don't want four pings. You say ping-n1. That means just do one ping, 4.2.2.2 or something like that. So it's ping minus n1, blah, 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 blah. First of all, you look at this, it's like, what is this all about? I mean, isn't ping minus n pig, you know? (laughs) And and besides, so I go from there to ipconfig. Well, ipconfig tells me some stuff. It'll dump out what my wireless network has and my wired network. But if I want more information, I got to do ipconfig slash all. What's that slash thing? I thought there was a minus sign before. Well, now it's <laughs> a slash. You know the problem that if you took the time to get really smart about the options in ping, let's do a v six ping versus a v four ping, or you took the time to get really good with the ipconfig options, or the check disk options, or the nslookup options. They're all silos. So Learning right. a lot about ping syntax doesn't help you at all right. for ipconfig.
2: I like the ip configs feature that isn't listed when you search for the help, which is flush DNS. I use that all the time.
0: It, you know, it's incredible. It's an it's you're ex- exactly right. It's something when I'm showing people network troubleshooting. That's the first thing I say is just make you have that in your in your up queue because you're going to be doing it the whole time. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 absolutely great stuff. But what happens with PowerShell is that you look at PowerShell and PowerShell. You know, there's a learning curve, but that first command that you learn. It's going to be weird. I mean, like, I'm on Wednesday. I'm doing a a one day class on PowerShell. And the whole point is it's it's got a sneaky name. It's called Administering Your Active Directory Using PowerShell, dot, 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 especially if you don't know PowerShell. It's just, I need an excuse. To teach people PowerShell because their lives are just going to be better. Mouse clicks are great, but you can't put them in a batch file. Yeah. And what's what's neat is that we spend an hour and a half on this one command, get-aduser. You no, know, PowerShell command, let's look like a verb, dash, a noun, get-aduser, something like that. You know, um, It's like a guy said to me recently, uh, I don't want to learn PowerShell. Why do you keep talking about it, Mark? I want to read stuff in your columns other than PowerShell. I said, no, no, no. It's important if you want to stay in the business. Learn dash PowerShell. See verb dash down. He says, "No, I don't want to." I said, said "Leave dash industry. <laughs> I mean,
2: Go blank away."
0: But here's 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 the thing that I find in my checkered programming career, doing having doing various things. You know, the annoying thing to me, and I don't know if I'm the only one that has this problem, is I'll find some new object, or I'll find some function, or and I don't know how it works. The syntax is not explained well. And so I got to write a little program to try it out. And I'm building some scaffolding. It's a pain in the neck. You know what's great about PowerShell? You just open up the command prompt and just try something out right there. Right. The learning curve initially is a little bit. But I mean, afterwards, man, you're just rocking and rolling. Because once you've taken that time, the hour and a half on the first command, after that, we're doing like a command every three minutes. Because bam, 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 bam. And they're predicting the names of the commands by the time we get to the end of the day. So it's, it's something that we all can use. And if you're a dev... A lot of the deployment tools, like for example, if you let's say you come out with the the Windows 8 Metro app to to end all Metro apps, those things are deployed with PowerShell commandlets. and they're ugly if it's the first time you've looked at PowerShell. Mm. But if you've seen some PowerShell before, I just got to tell you one word, and you're you're guessing what the other ones are. So, <laughs> no, like app X package, not that not 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 that, not that kind of word, Carl.
1: Uh, The other thing that I find amazing about PowerShell is that there is no excuse for you writing a script most of the time. Somebody's already written it. Just take a little time to search for it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to disagree with you there.
2: Well, then make sure you know what it's going to do before you run it. Sure.
0: Uh, You know, writing scripts in PowerShell is super easy, A. And B, uh, Richard, I respectfully disagree because the one thing I tell people is that, believe it or not, I say don't Google Stuff about PowerShell and the reason is PowerShell one was wonderful, but PowerShell two was a lot better, and PowerShell three is even more good. And people get so crazy about PowerShell that there's a billion blogs about it. And if you just simply Google it or Bing it or something, then you may end up with a PowerShell one answer that's going to work, but it's just massively inefficient. Uh, the really cool thing about PowerShell is that it takes me back to this original was it Kernahan and Richie or Kernahan and Plower? I can never which. Remember those guys were the software right. tools guys. Yeah. Where they said, you know, stop writing big programs, write little tools. You can, I, I think in those Legos, PowerShell commandlets are like Legos. And it's like you have this great box of Legos and you just glue a couple of them together. And it's, it does what 150 lines and three days of debugging in Visual Basic, excuse me, in VBScript used to do. I mean, man, it's just, it's, it's such a, to overuse it, use an overused phrase, it's such a power tool. Mm-hmm. And, Uh, this is all getting back to my original point, which was that if I could wave my magic wand and make my dev friends smarter about infrastructure, plumbing, yeah, and if I could wave my magic wand and take my IT pro friends, and first of all, get their asses off the GUI and get them on the command line and get them writing some code, and I can do that with PowerShell. That's the cool thing. PowerShell is almost a programming language that you guys would respect. It's, you know, think of it in terms of when we open up the command prompt, We're running a Win32 console app. What are we doing? We're essentially writing, we're running something that sits on top of Win32 with 600,000 APIs that have grown like Topsy in the last 20 plus years. PowerShell is essentially, it's a command prompt that sits on top of .NET. So what's also interesting is that I have a very good friend, um, Kathleen Dollard, who is super smart about, maybe the smartest person I've ever met about .NET. I mean, Kathleen knows, she probably knows all 60,000 of the classes. And when I'll show her something in PowerShell, she'll say, well, I wonder if you could do this because it reminds her of the class that the command that was built off of and we'll find some cool stuff. I mean, so this is if I can't, you know, if, if anybody listening gets anything out of this, you know, take some time, read a little bit, uh, do a little Googling just for some PowerShell tutorial stuff and play around with it. Um, it's if, if for no other reason, the stuff you build is all going to be dependent on PowerShell. So that's a that's a thing to
1: think about. But do you find that you need to write a lot of .NET code around PowerShell? It seems like most of the things we need to do are in the commandlets. That's all you need to do.
0: Absolutely true. I mean, but I'm saying, here's what a .NETter is going to like about it. Uh, I once was talking to Jeff Snover. I I try not to have friends at Microsoft because, Hmm. no, seriously, my job is I'm an analyst. I'm a journalist. I'm working for you guys. I'm not working for Microsoft. And uh, I'm not being mean to them. It's just that... If you're if you're a technical journalist, then you know you get a lot of press releases from companies. You don't always have time to look into it, and these are nice people. I'm not picking on Microsoft guys, and they've worked hard on the things they're doing, and they're excited about it, and that's infectious stuff. And it is far too easy to believe everything that they say. I'm not saying they lie. I'm just saying that they got excited about it, and they're in their heads. They're you know they're used to talking about the good stuff. Microsoft's great about talking about what th- their stuff does. They're not good about talking what their stuff doesn't do. Right and Every company's like that again I'm not pecking on them I'm just saying that most journalists will not say well what they said is incomplete or they won't you know go and look and so I try to do that because I've been at it long enough and also there's a guy at Microsoft whose job it is to call, to call up my magazine every time I write a, an article on demand or attraction and you know it, we get into these things where we would do some kind of like conference call and he'll say blah 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 and I said well fifteen years ago when you guys did this and he's like I was in elementary school then so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, it puts me in that great position, but, but, but I mean, Snover is just, I've, I've known him for, for 12 years and he's just a brilliant, brilliant guy. I mean, like Rasinovich is one of my bestest friends in the world. I've known Mark for almost 20 years uh, and he's done some fantastic stuff, but you know, it may be that, you know, I mean, Snover might have out Rasinovich Rasinovich in the sense that PowerShell is just such a genius tool. First of yeah. all, why is it called a commandlet? I'm talking to Jeff about this. I said, he said two reasons. One is, I want people to be able to uh, Google it. I said, you mean Bing? Gosh, no. That's what he said. Anyway, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, was that, first of all, to, uh, it, when, when you search it, you won't find anything else for commandlet. So that was a good idea. And the second one was, he said, it really is a commandlet. And I said, what do you mean by that? He's, and he showed me a piece of code. He says, you take a given .NET class and you want to make it to commandlet. It is like eight lines of code. It's insane how you know how how small it is.
2: Hey, Richard. Yeah, yes, sir. You know what time it is? Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again. You know it. It's time to give away dash free stuff and delight dash listeners. <laughs> you PowerShelled the giveaway. I did. Do you like nice. to see what I did there? That's awesome. No, no, no. It's time to give away a Telerik Dev Craft Complete Collection to one lucky member <laughs> of the .NET Rocks fan club. Before I tell you who it is. I need to tell you that Telerik recently released DevCraft for Q2 2013. The 10 new controls and over 250 new features across all six of their UI control suites allow you to cover more scenarios out of the box. Tile list for AJAX, calendar, data storage, touch, and more for Windows 8, as well as offline cloud data synchronization for Windows Phone and cloud emboss are just a few of the major new things the newly introduced graph interactivity support in Telerik reporting helps you create even more interactive reports. Just code's new integration with Compile allows you to debug third-party libraries without having the source code available. Check it out at Telerik.com, and don't forget to thank them for Sporting.net Rocks.
1: Awesome. So who's our winner, buddy? Today's winner is Robert Burnd. Congratulations, Robert.
2: Golf clap for you, oh, sir. I got the clappers. Get the clappers. There you go. We got nice. a real round of applause here. And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to dot click on the big get free stuff button, answer a few questions, and you'll join the fan club. We have thousands of members. Every episode, we give away a Telerik DevCraft complete collection. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. It might be you this year. Mark Manasseh, we like to ask our guests if you had five grand to drop on technology right now, what would you get?
0: Five grand, huh? I think I'd uh hire me some Russian programmers to write some apps.
2: Whoa, that's a pretty cool idea. Huh, interesting. Yeah, write some apps.
0: I I have a fascinating idea for an uh, for a phone app.
2: Well, by all means, give it away on our show.
0: I'm <laughs> going to do this. I'm going to do this. So, um there are times when I'm out with uh, some of my friends, uh, uh all of which are on the phone right now.
1: <laughs>
0: sometimes, sometimes we get a little carried away and, 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 you know, we drink just a little more yeah. than we, we, we might. No. I, I want to build an app. So check this app out. I want to build an app where like, basically like, you know, you just, you get your first drink and you just push a, you push a button and it's set for like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever. You know, you're pacing yourself and you don't want to look like an alcoholic. So it, like, texts you or something like that after about 30 minutes and says, okay, you can have another one. Oh, that's or, pretty good. Or if you do it earlier, you just push the button, and it keeps a database on this stuff, you know. And then I'm thinking, like, at about uh, third drink. You get a fake phone call, and it gives you a sentence that you've got to say. So you're like, uh, you know, that's just like, yeah, honey, I'm gonna pick the kids up and I'll be there, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> and you
1: listen and you listen to it later.
0: She <laughs> so does like the third drink, the sixth drink. And you can even and in- in- involve the camera. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so you can actually see yourself saying it you have databases of this, like, oh, these days I, I I amped it up a little more quickly or I changed the drink or something and that's when I ended up in jail, or, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> I I seriously think that, you know, particularly since in at least two states, one of which I want to move to, um, we have new kinds of substance abuse that that are legal. And by the way, I'm totally for that. Um, I just <laughs> think there could be uh, the world would be a better place. <laughs> We'd have less people driving that shouldn't be? I just think uh wouldn't break up marriages. I could save the world.
2: It's gonna be at paceyourselfbitches.com.
1: <laughs> 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 but I love the idea of documenting your yourself as the as you progress through these states.
0: If you seriously, if you stop and think about it, when I want to lose weight, um first thing I do is I start writing down what I'm eating and doing the calories. Right. And I don't try to stop. But after, you know, we talked about this about a year ago, Richard. Um, And so I just think just just the whole process of keeping track and at the end of the week saying, oh, look at that. I I eat X calories. Hmm. I got to eat X minus a calories in order to start (laughs) maintaining or losing weight or whatever. And I think for a lot of us, simply shining the light on the behavior, creating some records. We're numbers people. Computer people are numbers people. We like statistics and stuff. So having some of those, I think, would be
1: exciting. You can't manage it if you don't measure it.
0: Uh, there you go. A, 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 a failure to plan is a you're to fail, or
2: something like. That. <laughs> plan
1: <here to> f- <laughs> Are We sure we're not into the cocktails. Yeah, no, I, I think
2: you you should program that thing for thirty minutes from now. Nice.
1: Hey, you know, one of the things that I was really hoping for in eight dot one was a substantial set of improvements to the side loading process of Windows eight, and I don't know that I've seen anything. Well, we've seen one thing which is
0: is only tangential to that. But I'm going to agree with you, and, and sideloading is a it's a much bigger story. But uh, sideloading, for those who don't know, is, is because the Windows tablets are part of the so-called post-PC era, and what that means is we've decided that you're too stupid to buy your own applications, so we're going to protect you by having a special little walled garden where apps we've tested, or anyway, don't get me started. Um, but... Clearly, a business is line of business applications. If I build something in-house, I don't want to put it in the Windows Store. It's a in private app it. store. Yeah, exactly, private app store. Yeah. So that's, that's that's side-loading. And, and the, there's several tools to do it. There's like three approaches to doing it. That hasn't gotten better. But one thing is I don't want to just deploy apps. I want to deploy a desktop because that start menu is a bloody mess. It's just random crap slapped up against the random sets of tiles at certain places. And I want to be able to say, because I did a newsletter just yesterday where I talked about this, that that what they didn't do with 8.1 that they needed to do was, first of all, give us a hierarchy. I don't think people really care about the start button. We can get them past that in five seconds. It's the start menu that they're missing. If I install SQL, I mean, SQL includes the SQL Management Studio, which is great. I use that all the time. But the other stuff, I'm never going to use it. But it's all pfft. right. it's just shotgunned across my desktop. And, you know, people say, the Microsoft guys still say, well, you know, there are people who said the program manager, they, they wanted it back when the start menu. Both the program manager and the start menu had a hierarchy. For God's sakes, disks, can you imagine a disk without folders? Can you imagine a registry without
2: keys? This is insane. Oh, hierarchies are highly overrated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you convinced me, Carl. I was wrong. I'll be quiet now. I, I mean, it's just there's there's it's it's almost it's like somebody wrote this to me. This is not my line. Somebody wrote to me and he he laughed out loud. He said he said it's almost like some Microsoft guy were to walk into a house, my house, and see clothes strewn all over my bedroom and assume that closets are not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's you know, it's just simply crazy. I mean, it's it's something that they 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 need to fix. But anyway. um. Nice thing about 8, 8.1 is that I can take a prototype machine, get all the tiles on it that we're going to use in our enterprise, and then there's a command. There's a PowerShell command that I've forgotten what it is, but it's like, I don't know, grab-screen or something. It squirts out an XML file. And the XML file then goes in a central location in Active Directory, is spooced out sp- sp- everywhere, and everybody gets the same desktop. That's A. That's nice. Mm-hmm. B is it's really easy <laughs> to screw up your start menu accidentally by, like, moving – and I kind of round. So this right. kind of locks them down. So that's a good thing. But Richard's 100% right. The whole side loading thing, first of all, when I talk about this, if I've got, I've usually got a room that's half devs and their eyes just get bigger and bigger and people come to me and say, I didn't know any of this stuff. How did you find this out? I mean, so it's,
1: yeah. um, it needs it needs more education. So what's really hard about it? I mean, it, it, we talked about this on the tablet show a while ago. I think with Rocky. <laughs> where he talked about the fact that in order to sideload you need a certain key or certificate and it's assigned to the machine and it's, that means bring your own device seriously complicates that because essentially the business now gives a key to that device and if that person leaves that key goes with them
0: uh, yeah, so the first thing right is is that when you're deploying applications we're used to the idea that the application's going to go with the machine with these 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 apps they're they're connected to a Windows Live ID, which is totally nice. insane. So if I'm working for Chevron, I'm making this up with 150,000 employees, <laughs> and we got an Active Directory domain in 24 time zones, and we've got accounts for all those people. Well, thats it's nice that you did all that work, but it's nothing to do with deploying. There is one thing you can do that makes it kind of easy, is that before you start rolling out the tablets, you can do something called provisioning. Where you preload an application before it even knows about any of these live IDs. So for example, if you turn on a Windows 8 box, you'll see Bing news and Bing sports and Bing travel and Bing Bing and all this kind of stuff. And that was, that stuff has been uh, provisioned beforehand. What then happens is no matter who's on that machine, they get those apps. They just pop right up. Mm -hmm. You can do up to 24 of them, which maybe is probably good enough for a line of business stuff. Personally, I wish it was more like 90, but you could do that. So that's step one. right, so one approach is you can do that. Uh, The other one is, and that's all PowerShell. Only way to do this is PowerShell. Now what you're talking about the side loading though is is an issue, right? Because first of all, by default, that side load side door, that's locked. If you want to unlock it, you unlock it with a key. The easiest way to do it is be running enterprise windows that is domain joined. If you have enterprise windows that's not domain joined, you go to your Microsoft licensing webpage, and there's this big key you get that you have to install, which is just great fun. Because I don't know about you, but I love typing 20-character oh, yeah. random key sequences with dashes and stuff like oh. that.
1: Especially if I've got 500 of them. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: just Really, it's just so much fun. Um, and then uh, the other possibilities, if you just want to screw with it for a while, you can go to Microsoft. You can type a there's – a, there's a PowerShell command. It's uh, – I think it's show dash windows developer license. It goes out to the internet and says, okay, we'll give you a license that lets you hack around with this stuff for 30 days. You got a in live ID. Uh, so it's good for testing. You wouldn't want to do it with, with users. No, but you're right. And that's only the start. I mean, the other start is that all of the, and, and th- this is a side effect of a good thing. So if we're looking at Metro apps, then Metro, the modern apps, whatever we're calling this week, modern apps are all really secure. I mean, to the point where there's a manifest sitting inside of them that has a hash, not just the whole the whole app, but every 64k chunk of the app. So if the app is several megabytes in size, every 64k chunk has its own hash sitting in this manifest. So, you know, massively, massively wonderful in terms of not being infected with malware. But of course that stuff needs to be signed and signing means certificates. Now, how many of your listeners out there have a certificate infrastructure right
1: now? Okay. How many of you don't know? Yeah. I thought, yeah. But I was I mean, think That's what I was thinking. They Probably uh, several of them do, but they don't know they do. My guess is when I'm talking to an
0: IT pro crowd, people who would know, the best numbers I ever see are 20%. Right. 5% is, is common. And let's be clear. It's unfortunately – it's gotten to the point where with all the ADFS garbage and other stuff with Windows 8 – Resistance is futile. We all have to become certificate people. But so search of the the next thing you've got to worry about. There's a registry key that has to be zapped. So you're right. I mean, there's there's a big minefield, and it's just not very very clear at all. It's I mean, you can make it clear, uh, but it's it is a lot of work. There's, There's there's no question about it. Let's start with the good side though. Good side is Microsoft has taken another swing at something that basically every platform developer has has done is, is sandboxing you know whereby because right. i mean i heard with java that you couldn't write malware in java because it's all sandboxed right um, yeah well it turned out that the the kitties would poop in the sandbox now and then so that was you know the kitty cats did. so there it was it was a dangerous sandbox but anyway so the now on the one hand the microsoft guy said that their sandbox never has never been compromised that's because i'm the only person using it and not to write malware so <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting to see but if that's if it if that really is true, then that's that's going to be good. It also means that the apps are so sandboxed that a regular old user can install an app. You don't have to be an administrator because they can't do much in the way of damage to the system. That's an important point people forget to make is that, sure, writing malware in Metro would be hard, but a, a Metro app can still screw up my data because I have sure. full access to my data. I mean, people tend to uh, forget that stuff. Uh, the fact also that... For me as an IT pro, it lets me answer a question that I get from a lot of IT pros, which is, Mark, how do I make people unable to install applications? Hmm. Somebody thinks, a lot of people think that there's like a right in Windows, a privilege in Windows. There isn't. Don't go looking for it. That says ability to install applications. It's not. It's all catch as catch can because you can build different kinds of executables in, in different different ways. In this case, we do, though. We have a nice funnel. All Metro apps look the same. They all get in the same way. And so it becomes much easier to say we will, we kind of have now and we'll have more and more siloed uh, tools that let us, getting back to what Richard said, whitelist and blacklist stuff. So, you know, we're going to have better ability to do central
2: control. Mark, I got to ask you this question. Have you seen Stardock uh, Modern Mix, which lets you run modern apps in a window on Windows 8? I have.
0: No, I have not. I've seen the Startup thing that gives you back the start button.
2: Yeah, Start8 is their product that gives you the start uh, button. But they have this thing called Modern Mix where you can take, and I've used it, and it works great. You can run a Metro app in a window in desktop mode.
0: It makes perfect sense to me, Carl, because, uh, and I said this in my newsletter yesterday, it, it, it frustrates me because, you know, I want, I want there to be a Windows operating system that produces stuff that competes with iOS. Competition's good. I mean, if we, if we had a really, imagine if we had a really solid tablet market where it wasn't clear who was going to win and we had these three platforms and really smart people working really hard. Look at what's happened in the virtualization space. You know, yeah. the whole idea that like the VMware versus Microsoft, they're in this, this struggle to give us the best free stuff that they can. I mean, it's just, yeah. that's where we as consumers want to be. But what drives me crazy is this desktop switch thing. Um, you know, if you took a, what I always say is imagine you got two 15 year old kids and one has been playing with PCs for the last 10 years and you give him an iPad and inside two minutes, he's got it figured out. Then user number two, well, she's been using a Macintosh for the last 10 years. She's 15. You hand her a windows tablet. She's like, wait a minute. So there's two desktops. I can use my fingers on one of them, but then I use the mouse and the keyboard on the really Come on. This is a joke. Really? (laughs) And, and I think they got to unify the desktop. I mean, look, we have a thing in remote desktop we've had for ages where I can put a window on your desktop and you think it's running on your computer, but it ain't. It's on a computer a thousand miles away. Right. Why can't they do this with Metro? The start screen, if we want to make that the menu, groovy. As a matter of fact, I think in the, in the, in the best of all possible worlds, I imagine a world where I've got a computer and my start screen's on my smartphone, hmm, like a TV absolutely. remote.
2: You know? that's really what it is. It's exactly. It's a phone interface on a PC.
0: Uh, exactly. But but much like a remote control on a TV, in the sense that when was the last time you touched your TV to change a channel? I mean, you just you just don't. And And if they could do that, and it shouldn't be that hard, I think they can solve the problem. I think they can solve it. Now, there'll be some obvious problems, right? Because Metro apps have a much weirder, not weirder, but a much less familiar menuing structure. They can't do as much with the clipboard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I think we can learn to live
1: with that. It'll be a little wonky, but not terribly. Right. I do like this idea of hierarchical menus because you think about it. Anytime you click on something from the start menu to go into an app there's always a, essentially a back button to come back out to the start menu. So why couldn't you click on something that just opens up a different part of the menu?
0: No questions about it. I mean, and, and when I'm showing people keystrokes, since you guys did it on the roadshow, you probably know this, but almost no one knows, that the Windows key plus Z, Z... Oh, yeah.
2: That was my I favorite mean, one.
0: Well, yeah, because it's sort of like, let me get this straight. There's a menu on the bottom sometimes and on the top sometimes, and, uh, and there's something on the side, and then there's settings, and... Is, I'm sure there's a rule. I'm, I'm sure if I read the design style guide, there's a rule, but it's not obvious. It isn't what – that phrase Microsoft invented that they like so much as discoverable. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, most of the time I discover that I don't actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Discovery <laughs> mode. Yeah. We could call it inadequacy mode. I thought I was confident, but No. Well, you know, there's, there's, they're doing some interesting
0: stuff from, from the visual design style guide point of view. Um, have you guys taken up the whole skeuomorphism stuff in a show? We haven't. So uh, skeuomorphism is this idea. It's a phrase that means if we go back to 1984 Macintosh, 1978 Xerox Alto, whatever, if we're going to build an email application and we're going to build a GUI, we're going to have an icon for stuff. So what's the icon we're going to use for a piece of email?
1: Uh, it's an envelope
2: oh yeah i yeah, know what you're exactly. talking about exactly. where they have the disc for uh save and nobody knows what a floppy is but there's a floppy icon for saving
0: what's the icon we use for contacts in 1984
2: i don't know a little head rolodex
0: rolodex
1: exactly yeah, there a you rolodex go yeah
0: no, at some at some there are still apps that still have that as the icon, and there are perfectly intelligent, very smart twenty eight year olds that have no idea what the hell that is. That's right. <laughs> but if, if I click on that, channel. it works.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, but we anyway, haven't had that uh, work work in ages. So the the theory was, and 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 Apple has taken it to new heights. I mean, to if you if the stories that are told are true, when you look at your calendar, your iCal calendar, then there's it's got it looks like a desk calendar, and it's got the little leather triangles on the side to hold the imaginary paper against the imaginary desktop. That leather supposedly was taken from a photograph of the leather off of Steve jobs, Learjet seats. I'm not kidding. This is the story that Apple people tell. Um, And, and it, it doesn't, it's not necessary anymore. And for example, in my iPad, I read a lot and I've got some Apple books, which apparently I paid too much money for. And I've got some Kindle books. I prefer the Kindle app. The Apple Book app, there's just a lot of clutter. I mean, the whole, this is a bookshelf, and here's some extra pages and all this kind of stuff, it wastes pixels. And the point was that it skewmorphically would have been important in 1985, but at this point, most of the world has grown up with with GUIs. And so why keep wasting pixels and burning CPU power on that? And so that's why we get this flatter, kind of simpler kind of Chrome in Windows 8, which I have to admit, I hate. Uh, I find that when I, on the desktop, when I've got like the latest version of Word and the latest version of of uh, uh, Outlook and Notepad all up, I can't tell where one window ends and the other one begins because the the little lines on the ends are just a little skinnier and lighter and grayer than I want them to be. I mean, I'm not sure I'll get used to it. But it, there's there's some logic behind it. It makes a certain amount of sense. And you know what's fascinating? The thing I like most about Metro, and you have to admit that this is true, what I like most about Metro is that if you've looked at the next versions of iOS and macOS, Microsoft has finally created something that Apple feels that they have to steal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, because the, uh, the icons are based on Not so much icons, but but sort of uh, like pictures that were intended to be understandable. in in the Charles de Gaulle Airport notion being that it's one of the crossroads crossroads of the world. Most people will not read English, and so they need something. And the theory was that these these icons had to be a minimum icons is the phrase we use now had to be a minimum size, and they could only use two colors, white and something else. Oh man! So yeah. So no, stop and think about it. Look at if you've looked at Server Manager, the Server Manager icons are essentially white and gray or maybe white and two shades of gray so because it, of
2: color blindness
0: um i you know i don't know why i think it was just simple and if you think about it you know we're used to like 16 million color icons and this is, i'm i'm astounded at what some people have managed to do with icons and that's a tiny little bit of space and they've produced really beautiful little works of art that really tell a story but, you know, I got to say that they're doing a, a very interesting job. It, it's a bet. Maybe it'll look really stupid and Windows 9 will be like, forget about that. We're never going to do it again. Right. But there's some really, really interesting thinking going into it. And, and look at uh, any of the new Microsoft stuff. Look at the icons and you're going to see in general, they're just uh, the new office. Hmm. Right. All, all those guys, they're, they're all just, just uh, two colors or you know, white and something else or maybe white, a color and a mildly darker version of that color so we may see that this turns out to be better microsoft claims they've done usability studies where you know people can recognize icons 33 milliseconds faster or something like that so all
2: right so what's your number one feature request for windows 9 or whatever it's going to be called
0: number one feature request for windows 9 oh man um well you know we've got this gesture language this thing that's kind of built into an ipad they've got a Gesture language. Windows has one that's a bit more complicated, but I'm going to counsel anyone who has done Windows, is d- doing Windows 8, to take the extra two minutes and learn that stuff. It looks a little goofy at first, but once you're doing it, you're just, you know. And the thing that I love about it most is that I've been making gestures at my computers for decades. The idea that I understand them <laughs> just just absolutely thrills me. All right, here's 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 my here's my feature request. Have you guys? I'm sure you have. Have you seen the Leap Motion? Thing? Oh yeah. I have Little one. Cube. It's great. Uh, do you, I want Windows 8 to fully support that. I mean, because if you think about it, that's how we get our hierarchy, crawl. is that I actually move my hand closer to the screen to dig deeper into the folder. Wouldn't that I be awesome? I love that.
2: I love a Z-axis for yes. uh, management of desktop space. Love
1: Absolutely. it. I've, Absolutely. And I've, and I've thought for a while that maybe touch was just an interim step to gesture, but I've also cognizant of the idea that humans don't work in the Z-axis particularly well. You know, we're pretty precise moving on that XY coordinate uh, across the screen, but in and out at, with any precision is pretty hard.
2: Most of the time, it's because we can't visualize what's there if it's all virtual and abstract. But but if it's a 3D space and I can see that there's stuff that I can go grab and a little hand picks it up and moves it around, um, that's pretty easy to understand. The challenge is going to be good metaphors. Right.
0: Well, you know, I I, I got to say, Carl said exactly what I was going to say, is that if you've seen the Leap Motion, in particular, the high resolution demo, which is just really really cool, where I mean, it's it's showing you your hand in astounding amount. I mean, it's it's, it's just crazy that this thing doesn't have a camera, but it somehow knows that I'm there. It's just really really interesting. And I mean, you could see where it would it wouldn't be that hard to convert that. And the other thing too is that we could always go back to that. The thing they've been threatening to do for ages is a 3D interface. You know, get your Google Glasses, and because you've got two, you know, two lenses, you could add 3D fairly easily.
1: Yeah, maybe the the Oculus combined with the Leap. The Oculus is the very high-resolution VR goggles, fully in, you know, you don't look through it, you're looking in it. You know, it it sounds like uh, Neuromancer. sounds like William Gibson's original cyberspace vision.
2: Well, for certain applications, I can see that. You know, for anything where 3D things need to be manipulated in that space. But uh, I have a hard time. Well, you know, and it's just a matter of imagination. But there's there's not a whole lot easier than dragging and dropping in two dimensions for moving files. You know, that doesn't need to be easier. Or does it? I don't think so.
1: Well, they you know, well, no, wait, 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 wait,
0: wait. I mean, let, let, I'll give you an example. So my desktop is never large enough, but if I could just kind of like beckon to it, saying if I'm sort of pointing at the, I'm making this up as I go along, upper right-hand corner and I'm beckoning, and that brings it closer, it zooms it, or it moves it over or something along mm-hmm. those lines, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I it's, it, it's, don't get, you guys are really smart, but I mean, Don't get focused on the stuff you already know.
2: Yeah, that's the trick, isn't it? I mean, we tend to think of the things of the future in terms of what we already know. And so, you know, the real breakthroughs come when you see something that is not what you expected and turns out that it's a whole lot easier or more natural.
0: No, that's entirely true. And and I think we're going to see that. now. What Richard said about the goggles, there's a limit to how Borg I want to look, you know, while I'm actually working <laughs> on my computer. Google glasses, I think I could live with that. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure.
1: I yeah, know. no, I, I think when you're at work, and, I'm, and again, I'm getting into that cyberspace of if we start having three dimensional uh, gesture control, we want to be able to fly through a 3D space pretty quickly. So, yeah, you just sort of stare off into space. Nobody, you know, you can't see anybody, so it doesn't see outside, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, But that synthesis of gesture control and 3D perception, they all comes down to how do you organize data in a 3D way that actually makes it a more efficient way to find
2: things. I agree. And, you know, uh, we're out of time. But, folks, if you like this kind of stuff, this is what we talk about on The Tablet Show a lot. That's our other show. It's .NET Rocks, but it's all based on new form factors and tablets and phones and 3D in the future. It's at thetabletshow.com. Well, I guess that's a show, Mark, thanks cool. very much for finally uh, gracing us with your presence and I mean that sincerely. It's been a real pleasure talking to you.
0: Th- thank you for having me on. It's a, always always, always good having a beer with you, Carl, and get it, doing it online, even more fun.
2: Even more fun. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com